As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Ultimately, I'm going to keep saying it, get 1% better every day, just get a little bit better every day. Welcome back to 1% Better. This is Zach Kiefer, joined by James Boyd. It's Friday morning. We've had a busy week in Westfield. The Detroit Lions are still in town for tomorrow's preseason game. But the more interesting thing was practice the last couple days. We saw a lot. Two padded practices Wednesday and Thursday in Westfield. And we want to recap it for all of you on this week's 1% Better before we really move into the last week of the preseason, which is next week. And then the games are here. Finally. Um <laughs> James, being the seasoned NFL reporter that you are, first full week of, of straight football for you. Um, what did we see in Westfield this week? Because we saw a lot. I think what stood out to me the most was right after Drew Ogletree unfortunately went down, um, Jelani Woods looked like he was ready to step up. You know, there were some plays. Um, Thursday, I watched the offense. I know we kind of flip-flopped days there, but Jelani looked like he was ready to take the next step made really? some big plays. Um, and that's an encouraging sign because from talking to you guys, everyone else on the beat, he had had some drop issues, you know, some inconsistency, but he's looked consistent. And it seems like after catching that first touchdown pass last week in Buffalo, he's got a little more confidence. And then now, obviously, besides confidence, there's opportunity there to be that third tight end behind Colin Granson and Mo Alley Cox. So um, that was what stood out to me just initially, and also Michael Strawn coming back. I don't know I'm talking about like, you know, fringe guys in a sense, but the guys who I expected to do well um, in camp throughout these two days, they did, and we'll talk more about that. But I thought that Michael Strawn coming back, first week back since coming back, I believe from meniscus surgery, um, he looked pretty good, made some plays, and looked like a guy who could contend for, I believe, that fourth, fifth spot. I would say fifth, um, you know, spot as a wide receiver. So, um, those were some guys that stood out to me. And then um, obviously just on the other side of the ball, it's interesting to see, you know, a guy like, you know, um, um, Goff and, and how their offense would look and how, you know, the Colts' starting defense will look against um, a starting offense for a change. So let's go back to this. We split up for the for the listeners out there. We split up. So there's two fields in Westfield. And, you know, yes. one day I watched the Colts offense. And then yesterday I watched the Colts defense to see how Goff did against them. But you saw – 
I want to go back to these two guys, Strawn and Jelani Woods. And, you know, for a little bit of background, Jelani's had an up and down camp, but I would say it was certainly more down at the beginning. He looked lost and his routes didn't have sort of that conviction you want to see. And it was staggering when you compared him to Ogletree because Ogletree just walked right in and looked at ease with the first team offense. And he climbed Mm -hmm. his way up and he was certainly ahead of Woods on the depth chart in my mind. I don't care what the team's telling you, but Ogletree was ahead. And I talked to someone in the building this week, and this was after the injury, but you know he's got some work to do, Ogletree, but they really believe that he might have Pro Bowl potential down the line. Not Let's not get ahead of ourselves, long way to go. But my point in this is tell me what you saw specifically, what kind of catches Woods and Strawn were making, because Strawn started fast too, and I didn't think he would be a hundred percent right out of the gate coming off this injury. Yeah, I think for both it was um like the catch and runs, you know, getting the chance to get a break off of, you know, a, a defensive back or a linebacker and being able to catch it and, and move in space. Now granted, they're not tackling and, and things like that. So some of the yards you're getting after the catch probably won't be there. But these were legitimate catch and runs. Um and I thought that they were they showed some big play ability and just to alleviate some of the, you know, the pressure that's going to be on guys like Jonathan Taylor and other guys um, who are expected to be the bulk of the offense. So that's what stood out to me the most, um, besides the fact that obviously, and I'm sure you're going to talk about this as well, but I mean, Matt Ryan looked like Matt Ryan, and, and, and hmm. at least for, I believe, the day that you saw them, when I saw them on Thursday, um, again, because we flip-flopped days out there for the listeners, um, he looked like he was on fire. And, and I think that is an encouraging sign after, I would say, an okay, you know, preseason opener. It wasn't terrible. Yeah. It wasn't great. They weren't scheming much. So to me, it was more interesting to see these practices, obviously, than it was to see that preseason opener. Yeah, I feel like we learned a lot more. And I think the fans that came out to Westfield would agree with us. Yeah. Um, one thing I want to mention on Woods, I talked to Clayton Adams, who's the tight end coach on Monday. This is before the Ogletree injury. And I was like, where's Woods at, man? Like, where's he at? And he's like, look, we're throwing a ton at him. And this is a guy that's young in his football career in terms of like this dude was playing quarterback when he got to college. And so he switched to tight end because he had such a good practice one day. So like these guys take time and it's such a step up in terms of the NFL offense compared to what they're doing in college. And college is so specialized with the spread and mm-hmm. um, they're leaning on the coaches so much more than they are at the pro level. So the Colts are throwing a ton of stuff at Jelani Woods and seeing what sticks. And I've heard he's made some progress as a blocker, and he's made some progress in the patching game, passing game, like you just mentioned, and we saw Saturday in Buffalo. But when it comes to the games that count in September and October, he's going to have a much more specialized role. Very, very specialized. Think Kylan Granson a little bit last year, where it's like one or two or three, five targets a game, tops probably. If he catches 30 balls this year, that's probably a decent season. Now, maybe he needs to catch more. But I think Granson's going to lead the team in, in catches in terms of tight ends. We'll see whether Mo Ali Cox gets involved, but he's going to do a lot of the blocking with that Jack Doyle rule from last year. So I wouldn't overreact to Jelani Woods' up and down camp. The key, and we talked about this a little bit yesterday, the key for me in training camp, having covered nine or 10 of these, is are they getting better from the start to the finish? I don't care if a guy struggles in week one, a lot's getting thrown at him. Are they mm-hmm. better by the end? And I can say that definitively about Kylan Granson, who I think's gotten a lot better. And I think we're seeing that with Woods as well. So if he steps up to that three role, that's a big boost because those snaps were going to go to Ogletree because he had an unbelievable camp and he was looking great and he was a guy that was going to step in and play. So 
that's a good takeaway from that end. What did you see yesterday from the Colts offense? And then maybe I can add in a little bit about Matt Ryan just torching the Lions secondary on Wednesday afternoon. Yeah, so it started off pretty um, great for them. You know, in seven-on-sevens, um, Matt Ryan had three touchdown passes, two to Naheem Hines, one to Mo Ali Cox. Um, the one to Mo Ali Cox was really impressive because it was one of those ones where it's a chemistry throw. You know, you throw it up and you expect your guy to make a play. Was it the greatest throw? Was it the greatest decision? Um, to me, it's one of those things where you have to do it off trust. You just trust, you trust your guy. It. Yeah, trust him. And and, and Mo readjusted, um, you know, got a defender off of him, readjusted to the ball, caught it in traffic, caught it in the back of the end zone. It's like, okay, that's a big body. That's a, that's a, that's something you could envision really happening in the regular season. And then I would say the most concerning part was when they got to the two minute drills or more so the red zone drills. Um, where they were 11 on 11 and they just got stalled, man. Like it was like, okay, after the seven on sevens, they were on fire. They add the linemen in and everything else. It goes to 11 on 11 and it was just not great for them um, at all. Jonathan Taylor got jammed up a couple of times after, you know, a couple of runs offensive line didn't look that great in creating a push. So to me, that's, that's kind of concerning when it's like, Hey, you, you got to get, five yards and you can't get it you know so right that to me one yard yeah and and it changed it was like all the momentum was one way and then it just flipped toward the end I mean it wasn't like they were turning the ball over nothing like that um you know Matt Ryan completed a bunch of passes they're going to get points out of it um in theory but of course as you know to win football games you need touchdowns like field goals do not you know great teams you know Usually, not today, not in yeah, this league. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's good to have them just in case. But I mean, you're looking at le- a league that can put up points. You know, the great teams put up points. So um, that to me was a bit concerning to not get in the end zone at least once. I don't know about you, and you've only been here for two weeks, but I'm not sold on the Colts' offensive line depth. I'm just not. And and it really feels like they got three studs and then a bunch of question marks. They've got Nelson and Kelly and Braden Smith, and you'd feel good about those guys. But like Pryor's had an up and down camp, and he's going to be the starter because Ryman's not ready at left tackle. But Pryor struggles against speed guys. We've seen this, mm-hmm. and we saw that in Buffalo, and we're going to see it in the regular season. And the Colts are going to have to scheme around it or live with the results, and they don't want to because last year with Eric Fisher that was a problem. Pryor was good against the run. Good, you know, going, trying to block for the run, but then the speed guys on the edge when there's a long down, that's problems. And and I saw Danny Pinter get worked a little bit this week, and that's not exactly exciting at right guard. And then behind them, there's just a bunch of average. And they need Dennis Kelly back. He's the backup swing tackle. He's a veteran. Mm-hmm. He had a surgery early in camp, getting closer. But Colts fans know how important it is to have a swing tackle who can come in and play when someone gets hurt. This team has learned that lesson the hard way the last couple of years. And they were terrible at tackle, especially left tackle last year. I don't mean Braden Smith, but I mean, you know, last year in camp, Tevy and Davenport getting worked every day. And then Fisher came back and Fisher was okay, but man, he cost them in some big moments. So it's not all like roses out in Westfield right now. I've got some serious concerns about that offensive line and those two spots, especially but I do want to go back to Wednesday, and I don't know if you saw this because it was a little bit of a melee on the sideline, but I've never seen Matt Ryan play better in, in Westfield. Like this dude lit up the Lions secondary, and I walked off thinking, is the Lions defense that bad or is the Colts <laughs> defense that good? Because he went 10 for 12, 
threw three touchdowns and four passes, did whatever he wanted. And that's not something we've seen against this Colts defense. The Colts defense has won more days than the offense. It's hard Easily. to move the ball against this Colts defense. And it's very routine plays. It's not crazy turnovers. It's like they just knock a pass down or Ryan gets sacked or something like that. So, I mean, this was this was a clinic. And so that started to get me thinking that, like, this guy, one, he still got it, and two, that that tight window accuracy that Ryan's really known for, like, it's the first time I felt that 10 feet from the field. You know, he throws that really nice corner route to Alec Pierce. He hits Michael Pittman, who was the best player on the field the last couple of days, for another score. And then he hits Ashton Doolin in traffic. And it was just like, damn, Matty Ice is legit. Um, I don't know what you saw yesterday, but the Lions secondary is bad. It's objectively bad. But I don't know what you want the Colts to do, right? I mean, they just torched them. And that gets me thinking, like, they didn't scheme much in Buffalo. But when they start scheming, I'm starting to buy into the playmaking talent in this room as long as nobody gets hurt. Where are you at on that? I agree, but the as long as nobody gets hurt thing is a very, you know. It's probably a naive way to look at things, right? Yeah, you know, it's football. You know, we just saw it with Drew Ogletree. I mean, he just stepped wrong or stepped funny. Yeah, non-contact injury. Exactly. You know, ACL is done and, and, and that's that's his season. So I do think, you know, to kind of piggyback off what you said, and I was able to watch some clips and things from what, you know, both teams so, showed on social media. And um, Alec Pierce looks legit. He looks yeah, confident. He, he had a good week. Yeah. Yeah. He looks like a comfortable number two, in my opinion, right now, as far as wide receiver depth chart. And then um, also Michael Pittman Jr. Everyone knows he's the number one receiver. But he looks like he's ready to take that next step. You know what I mean? Like, from he what looks I like saw, he's gonna kill people. Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, whew. he 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 looks good at pretty much everything that was asked of him. You know what I mean? Like, like I was trying know, to think of the, the routes he caught yesterday, like the passes. Like he caught everything, like shallows, posts, crossers. Like, like did he did he drop anything this week? I don't think so. I mean, there was a few that were, you know, great defensive plays or broken up, but I can't, I can't say to my knowledge that he had like a straight up drop. Um, and I think that he's a guy who is willing to take that, that role more, um, you know, being asked to be a leader. I think sometimes in sports we can be kind of cliche with, Oh, he's got to be a leader because he's been here this long. It's like, no, I think he really has to be because beyond him, there isn't right. anyone else in that room that's proven that can tell them, hey, this is what works for me. This is what works in a real game. So I think that there is going to be a sense of comfortability there with Matt Ryan. It's already there with Matt Ryan. But now it's like, OK, how do I get these other guys up to speed? And one of those guys is Alec Pierce. I mean, he looks um, the part. He's made some plays in the air. Um, and it just seems like, as you said, you want to see guys progress throughout camp. And he's another guy that I, I can't say, like, he hasn't improved, I would say, significantly as far as just knowledge of the game, right. comfortability, confidence, all those types of things. Um, and then one thing I do want to touch on, and for athletic subscribers, this will be out, I believe, later today, um, Friday, you know, Shaq Leonard. So I've, I just watched the guy like the first day um, and Wednesday. I was watching the defense, but I was really watching him, you know, kind of just peripherally. and. I mean, Zach, you can, I don't know, I'll ask you about this, but how do you feel about his status coming up, you know, with the season being less than a month away? I'm watching him and it's like he's on his knees. He's barking at, you know, the the, right. the Detroit offense. He's doing all the things that make 
Shaq Leonard the maniac without being the maniac because he he's on the field, but he's not on the field, if that makes sense. Yeah, dude is dying to play football. You can tell. Like, mm-hmm. this is not what we usually see with an injured guy. Usually they're off to the side by themselves, a little bit removed from the team, mm-hmm. or they're not even out there at all. And Leonard is out there dying to get in the huddle and, and play and take the snaps. But the feeling I have is it's August 19th, and there was an interesting quote from Frank Reich yesterday about whenever he does come back, it's going to take some time before he's 100%. And he compared it a little bit to Peyton Manning in 2008. And for those who remember, Peyton came back from the bursa sack injury on his knee. And he was pretty bad the first couple of weeks for Peyton Manning. And then, of course, Peyton Manning got better by week five, and they he won the MVP, and they won nine straight to finish. So, um but everyone remembers that Peyton was rusty and it didn't come back all the way. So a couple of things on this linebacker front. One, it's August 19th. It would not surprise me if this team activates Darius at the cutdown mm-hmm. and then puts him on the regular season PUP. That means he wouldn't play for the first four weeks. I'm not saying that's going to happen, but that's very much a possibility right now. Just from everything I've seen and everything I've heard. Um, now they could... Just activate him and then play him in week three. I don't think he's going to play in week one. Maybe things can change quickly. Darius is, excuse me, Shaquille is a guy that can play off a week of practice. He can. But this is a thing that they're going to be really smart about. And talking to players and talking to people around the organization, they're not going to go through what they went through last year. They're not going to let Shaquille do that. He wants to get out there. We all know that, like you've seen. And I'm excited to read what your story has to say in the next couple of days about what it's like for Darius, for Shaquille, watching practices right now and literally chomping at the bit to get out there. But um, they're not going to let him get back on the field unless that ankle-calf back thing is 100%. Like Zaire Franklin, who's one of the smartest guys in the locker room, has been telling Shaq, like, dude, think about when you were a rookie and you could play pain-free and you could just run around and hit people. Think about how much fun that was. Darius led the league in tackles that year. Um, So... What they need to do is lean on that patience. And the Colts can go down to Houston and win in week one without Shaq Leonard. They can go down to Jacksonville in week two. I know the history there and win without (laughs) Shaq Leonard. They need to be smart. They need this guy for the full run. And they don't need him at 70% or 50%, which is what he played out last year. And still had like 12 12 takeaways. They need him to be 100%. This is a long-term guy. This is a guy that you gave $100 million to. They need to get him right. And I think the you know, the, the, the patience is going to turn into him missing a couple games to start and, and maybe going on the PUP. Like, that's just a gut I have. But it's August 20th tomorrow, and I don't get the sense he's going to practice next week, and you're getting closer and closer to the regular season. So they need to get him right, and I think the Colts were hoping he would be ready a little bit sooner. I know he's working out. I know he's preparing. This is not an Andrew Luck situation. I'm tired of getting those comments. Shaq Leonard is not retiring. But um, right. this might stretch into the regular season a little bit. Yeah, I think the most interesting thing that I've kind of just noticed just by reading the tea leaves is, you know, everyone keeps saying he's working, he's training, he's doing all this stuff. Um, Zaire said he's done, you know, on-field work before, obviously, we can see it. Obviously, if we had seen it, we'd be writing about it and, and telling you every detail of it. But no one's saying, like, how he's progressing. There's been no official like update or timeline, which is smart on their part. I really wouldn't give that away. Yeah, they learned from know. past mistakes. Exactly. You know, um, you know, 
make sure you listen to the luck podcast. <laughs> it's all in there. But um, yeah, I do think that there is a legitimate chance that he might not be ready to go. But like, as you said, he's 27. You want to protect him and have him ready for when it really, really, really matters. And with this team, you want to be at full strength. And one thing that Zaire touched on was like, if you were playing last year on like this weird ankle situation where you kept just saying it's attached and you, you know, had a defensive player of the year caliber worthy season, what can you do when you're hundred percent? He could, so, yeah. I mean, <laughs> he was on a heater last year and yeah, he was, like, like a Darius would always say like, well, you know, we would be like, how's the ankle, man? He's like, it's attached. Like that's as far as he would go. And that's to me speaks the level of talent he has, but it's also like if you can again just get everything right for a guy that talented, I mean, how great can he really be? And this is his prime. I mean, he's he's been right. That's a good great point. since the start, and you don't want to derail that by you know rushing it and trying to get like that that instant gratification rather than what you could get in the long run. So um, I was it was fun watching him, and and there's a part in there that. You really couldn't. Um, <laughs> you really couldn't see unless you were there watching it happen. Um, it's 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 it was a fun way to look at him. Um, I'd love to obviously talk to him, pick his brain. That time will come. Um, but yeah, he's. I mean, he's still a character. I mean, he was out there signing babies. Uh, you know, yesterday, and 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 the funniest thing about that, I got a picture of it on Twitter. If you want, everyone, anyone wants to take a look at it. But the funniest thing is after he signs his baby, uh, someone asks him, like, is that your first time? He's like, no. And I'm like, that lets you know how loved that guy is around Indy and, and how great he's been. I'm like, people are trying to get him to sign his baby. And, and, and obviously, a lot more people would be happy if he's done signing babies and back on the field. So That might be a good story we'll one day when we get back in the locker room. Ask every player, what's the weirdest thing you've been asked to sign? And did you sign it? I'm fairly certain that... Um, you know, there, there's going to be some some pretty funny stories with that just because you just never know, man. Like, I was kind of surprised to see him signing a baby's back. I was like, what, what? And then even more surprised when he said it was a, you know, a thing. And then even like Brandon um, Faison, he after practice yesterday, I got some photos of him taking, you know, signing things. And I believe he signed like a Colts like garden gnome or something. And I'm like, where did you even get this? Like, is this the customize or what? So, hey, man, that's training camp. It's all about those autographs. No, oh, man. Yeah. I mean, hey, it is what it is. But I think that overall, though, just getting back to the point, the two days were were good, really good for them. And I think they made progress. And I think there were some signs there that, you know, are, are building points that you can look at uh, and take more from than, you know, the Bills game. I know everyone was kind of like, oh, they had the five takeaways. They had this, they had that. But it's like, you know, you probably don't have five takeaways um against the Bills' starters and you probably are in the early hole after that first drive if you know Josh Allen is in there as opposed to Case Keenum you know what I mean so right right that's I'm just not going to overreact to a preseason game to the first one I'm just not going to I've done this too long I'm not going to kill Alec Pierce for not getting off press coverage the defense the starting defense didn't look great starting offense didn't look great against the twos but I'm just not going to overreact to that we'll see what they look like better in a better sense next week against Tampa. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. 
You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Last thing to put a bow on on the Shaq Leonard conversation. This is interesting. This is a little bit of news that I got this week from the other two linebackers, Zaire Franklin and Bobby Okereke. The plan at the beginning is to start Darius Shaq at the Mike spot, which is different from the Will spot that he has played the first four years of his career. Now, it's a different Mm -hmm. scheme under Gus Bradley. It's not going to be totally noticeable to the naked eye, but the idea being they want Shaq Leonard, who their best playmaker, around the ball more, around the middle of the defense. So Bobby has been lining up at the will for the most part in training camp. And he says he likes it because it's a little bit tougher in the pass game, but in the run game, a lot of times you're unaccounted for. So he can just sneak in there and make a play mm-hmm. on the ball, which is what Leonard has done so many times in his career. It's not set in stone, you know, and, and Leonard hasn't done it yet in pads, so they're going to feel it out. But keep an eye on that. So if this season started today, you've got Zaire at the mic and you've got Bobby at the will. A lot of people thought that would change when Leonard came back. As of now, the plan is to keep it that way and just put Leonard at the mic, keep Bobby at the will. So we'll see. You know, they're in that they're in that nickel coverage 70, 75% of the time anyway. That means five defensive backs. They want to get Kenny Moore on the field. Obviously, he's one of their best mm-hmm. players. Um that should be fascinating, and it might free up Leonard a little bit to be around the ball even more. And we know what happens when he's around the ball. He punches the ball out. He pokes interceptions out. He's just a walking turnover. So that should be fascinating to watch. But as of now, Leonard's not on the field, so we'll see what happens. But um, I watched a little bit of the Colts' defense yesterday. They got worked early by Goff. Let's just keep it real. Nick Cross bit on a long route. They scored a touchdown. They scored a couple others. But then later in the drill, they started making some plays and and really held firm and, and kept the Lions out of the end zone six or seven straight plays. And, you know, the Lions are lining up for the four or five-yard line. So what did you learn about the defense this week that maybe jumped out that we hadn't seen before? I think you touched on it just there. Nick Cross, um, everyone we've talked to has said, you know, how great of a suit in the game he is, um, how great he's come along as far as his youth. Um, obviously he started the, the preseason opener, but to me, it was like, it can't all, you know, be great all the time. And it's right. It's this league's too hard. Right. Yeah. And it was probably good for the Colts defense and for Nick himself to get beat. You know what I'm saying? To see something different and to be, I don't want to say humbled because he's a humble guy, but just be like, Hey, this is the NFL. It's a different game now. 
um, the mistakes you can make at Maryland. And we I talked to him yesterday and we laughed about this because I went to Illinois. I was there when Maryland made this crazy comeback in like the last two or three minutes to, to steal a game in Champaign. And uh, he's like, it was a great game, wasn't it? I was like, yeah, like I, I didn't lose it. But, the, you know, <laughs> getting back to the point, you can't. You know, the, the the things you bite on against, you know, the Alana, you can make up for with your speed and, and your athleticism and you can do things out there um, and kind of hide whatever mistake you made because you're just that much better than anybody else. But obviously, as you said, in the NFL, I mean, everyone was the guy where they came from or are trying to be that guy now. So um, he's a guy that I, I, you know, on the first day, I thought that it was similar to what you said. They got worked a little bit um, and kind of settled in. But there was one play where, you know, someone, I believe one of the, like, the Lions tight ends uh, caught the ball in a crossing route, and Nick Cross just labels the guy. And I'm like, you're not supposed to do that in, you know, joint practices. It didn't create any dust up, but it's like, it's in, in that play, it looked like he was, like, right there. You know what I mean? It was, like, instinctual. So there has been, you know, the ebb and flow of, okay, he looks like he's done this for 10 years. And then, as you said, he'd been on one. It's like, all right, that's, that's a rookie. You know, I don't even say it's a rookie mistake, but it's just, it's a, it's a mistake. So um, he's a guy that I, I still think they're very high on as they should be. He's looked the part so far. Um, and another guy is just Kenny Moore. Um, you know, he's in that NFL top hundred for the first time in his career. I believe it was 82. Um, this is a guy who was undrafted, you know, come from a school that most people don't know. So, but it seems like whenever the ball's in his general vicinity, he's yeah. able to tip it or get a hand on it, create a deflection, create an opportunity. Um, and I think that he's taking that next step as well and kind of settling in as that, you know, number two corner um, next to Stefan Gilmore. Yeah, I think so. And going back to Cross, I mean, Cross is the starter right now. He's 20 years old. He's a rookie. He's a third round pick. And this is from Ron Milas earlier this week. Cross is the starter. And I think it's a good competition between McLeod and him. Very different players, right? I mean, let's go back to like the first time they met, Cross was a participant at a Rodney McLeod football camp when he was in eighth grade. I mean, that's how far these guys go back. And now they're competing for the for the strong safety job for the Indianapolis Colts. But I, I think it's, it's going to be Cross's job eventually, whether he starts the week one or not remains to be seen. But I think he's in the driver's seat and he's fun. And, and then the one guy I have to mention that just has been really good the last couple of weeks, and I think it's going to really hit it with this off with this defense is is Blackman. Like Blackman has just looked oh, yes. really good, and he flies oh, yes. around, and he has that sort of pop, that first step that that really can change things. And I think this is going to change his career. I really think this Gus Bradley scheme could change his career. We've seen what he can do. He was really good last year before he got hurt but um Blackman's a guy I've just been high on and I'm going to I'm going to stay high on in this scheme moving forward. So um we had a couple skirmishes this week but honestly it was pretty tame. I got to give the Lions and the Colts and the Colts Frank Reich and Dan Campbell a lot of credit. Like there were some dust-ups on Wednesday but they got some legit work in and that's not something everyone can say. Like there were a lot of fights this week in the NFL. But um little disappointed we didn't get any more fights. No, I'm not. I'm not into that at all. Cause I always feel like whenever anything like that happens, 
there's a bunch of big people, you know, pushing each other around. I don't want them running or pushing themselves into me. <laughs> um, I am, I've never played football. I'm a very skinny guy, as you know, Zach. So I like to keep all of my limbs intact. So, you know, whenever there was a little dust up, I was definitely retreating just to make sure like, hey, all these guys have pads and helmets on. No one's getting, you know, rolling up on me you know, uh, you know, like, like I'm playing or something like that, but I mean, I've heard about it, but I don't, I don't, I don't really want to cover that. I mean, what do we want to write about? You know what I mean? Right. Like we got more right. out of it as writers, as reporters, um, and we're able to give it to you all listeners when there isn't a bunch of, you know, macho man who, you know, beat who in a fight. It's like guys got helmets on anybody fighting with the helmet on and pads. is It's just in a sense, it's dumb. I get it. Cause like you're competitive, you're, you know, it's a, it's a violent sport. But it's also dumb whenever you do it in football because right, it's right. like you're risking injury. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So I think that there was a healthy level of back and forth between the two teams. Um, also enjoy being on the sidelines. Kind of gives me that high school vibe where you can hear everything. So yeah. you can hear the guys who are cursing each other out or calling this guy a bum or this guy's garbage or whatever. Now, I love that. I mean, I think you need that. And it's always interesting to see how different guys can be when they're on the field as opposed to when they're off. Cause I mean, Michael Pittman jr. I believe that was his daughter. He was walking around with yesterday. Correct? Yeah. And he's like, you know, showing her around. It's like the cutest thing ever. And on the field, he's just a scary, crazy guy. Yeah. So <laughs> the only, like the only one that jumped out at me was like Pittman caught a deep pass. I think it was a post route and he got thrown to the ground, which is not what we see in training camp. There's no tackling. Mm-hmm. And it was uncalled for. It wasn't necessary. And Pittman took offense, as he should have. Um, he's a hot player. Like, this guy's ready to fight his own teammates half the time. And he got into it with Jeff Okuda, the, the, the corner from the Lions. And then Quentin Nelson got into it. And I kept thinking to myself, if there are two guys on this team that I don't want to fight. Now, there's a lot of guys I don't want to fight. But if I don't want to fight two guys, those might be the top of my list. Quentin Nelson would destroy you. And Pittman would, too, probably in a different way. But um, for the most part, they got some good work in, which is good. Credit to the Lions. Um, I thought it might go a little bit different with Dan Campbell, biting kneecaps, all that stuff. Um, <laughs> we'll see a lot more next week on Hard Knocks, I'm sure. But it was a good week for the Colts. The offense, especially the passing game, had their way with a very bad Lions secondary. Um, and I thought Matt Ryan's never looked better in a Colts uniform. We'll see. It doesn't matter. It's just August. But um, they did what they wanted. Let's get out of here. But before we do... Um, just want to mention a couple of the stories we have on the athletic right now, and then a couple of ones that are coming in the next couple of weeks. You know, I recapped everything I saw the last two days at training camp in a long story. It's super exhaustive. It's, it's every conversation I had the last four or five days I hit on the offense, the defense, some position changes, some position mm -hmm. battles, lots of good stuff in there. We also heard from Jim Irsay earlier this week, and it was a little bit like what we always hear from Jim Irsay this time of year, but with Jim Irsay, you never know what the man's going to say. And so there's some interesting <laughs> stuff in there. You went long on Kylan Granson earlier in the week. And then you've got the Dar the Shaquille Leonard story coming. Anything else that readers should be interested in the next couple of days? Stay tuned. Um, working on something about Nick. I'm working on something about Nick Cross. Um, he's a guy who's ascended very, very fast in his career. Hasn't played football very long in his life. Um, but it hasn't always been smooth sailing. So talking to him yesterday, I was able to find a couple nuggets and I'm hoping to, you know, really kind of spread out for you all to understand um, where this guy once was and where he is now is, is being a very young guy with a huge opportunity in front of him and how he got there. He could be here for a long time.
I know, I know, be. I know. Rick Venturi is not everyone's cup of tea, but Venturi is all in on Blackman and Cross. He thinks they could be the best safety tandem in the league. We'll see. Long way to go, but um, I also had a really good conversation yesterday with Stefan Gilmore about sort of the fleeting nature of elite cornerbacks and um, being a free agent for this first time and how he recruited the Colts as much as the Colts recruited him. And mm-hmm. um, that dude has balled out all camp. Like he might be the best player on the field most days. If it's him, if it's not Pittman, it's him. Yeah, and we I talked agree. a little bit about that and how he was playing through pain last year and how he approaches his job and how if you're a corner and you don't know the route they're running before the, the snap, you're in trouble. So it's I just love cornerbacks. It's one of my favorite positions to watch when I'm not watching the ball. Really fascinating conversation. So lots of good stuff on The Athletic. We've got a game on Saturday. The starters are not going to play, uh, but it's still a good chance for guys like Jelani Woods and maybe some backup O-linemen to get some good reps. And you'll see Nick Foles, who's had an up-and-down camp. You'll see Sam Ellinger, and it should be a good day. And then we'll get back at it next week, our last week in Westfield. And then they play the Tampa Bay Bucks. I expect Matt Ryan to play at least a quarter, maybe two quarters in that one with the starters. And then finally we can put the preseason to bed and we can get ready for the games that count, which is what everybody wants. For James Boyd, I'm Zach Kiefer. This is 1% Better. Thanks for listening, and we will catch up with you guys next week.